For our sermon this morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. We're going to read in your hearing verses 1 through 8. And in this message, we want to talk to you about some conceptual items that our understanding might be enhanced. And so in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, just follow along with me if you would. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has, been, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak, through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in this flesh cannot please God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. There is a considerable amount of doctrine that we could look at here, but we want to look at this concept we find in verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Our hope for salvation and eternal life is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we know, if you're familiar with the books of James, it says, but as it says in James, faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean, therefore, that we can be, do anything that we want. But the fact that we have Christ in our heart and in our life and guiding us should be reflected in how we conduct ourselves, how we interact with other people. But we want to look a little bit at some of these principles that we find around this concept of the law, the law. In Jesus' time, there were the religious leaders. Didn't say the spiritual leaders, but there were the religious leaders in that time. And they had many laws that they had 
enacted. And you, if you are familiar with the Gospels and would read through there, you see where they had added things too. They had kind of added their own set of rules and regulations. And it became the focus was on the rules and the regulations versus on what we would call the condition of their heart. They kind of took it a little bit farther. In some circles, we would call that a, a drive towards legalism. Legalism is when you set your own rules on top of God's rules and, and it becomes about following the rules about the works instead of the relationship with God. Now there's some that take it too far and basically say, well, I can do whatever I want. Well, that's not the case either. And we know if you would look into the New Testament there that Jesus admonished these religious leaders in many, many ways because they were zealous, meaning they were enthused about keeping their power and their influence and their status and their financial well-being. When Jesus went in and turned over the money changers, it caused a great tussle. Now, to give a little bit of background on what was going on, the money changers, you, when, when you went in to give sacrifice or to, to buy things or give your tribute to, to the temple, it had to be in temple money. So, the religious rulers at the time controlled that commerce. So, if I wanted to give tribute to, or acquire tribute to the, the temple, I would have to use temple money. So it'd be like if you went into a different country, let's say you had dollars, and you were going to a country, and it was pesos, or it was in pounds, or it's in German marks, or if it's in yen, or wherever you want, you have to get your money exchanged into something different. So you give them a dollar, a U.S. dollar, and they give you something back. So it's Canadian dollars. But as you know, you go to different countries, currency is worth different amounts. And so when you go to that country, you give them your U.S. dollar, they'll exchange it for a, the currency of their country. But they will charge a fee for you to do that. And guess who got the fee? The fee went to the religious leaders. Some of those religious leaders, like the high priest, they would get that fee. So they set those rules and they took advantage of those rules to their own welfare. And if they, you came in with your flock of sheep, or your sheep, I'm sorry, for your Passover to give that sacrifice, it had to be a pure sheep, a pure lamb, right? Without any blemish. It's my understanding that there also was the opportunity then, as the, you brought in your little lamb that you had raised, as, as pure and it looks good, that they also control the people saying, well, your lamb has a speck of dirt. It's not just as pure as it was. But you know what? Here, you can have one of my lambs for a fee. I will buy yours, but it's not perfect, so I'll pay less for it. But you'll pay me for this higher lamb. And so they were controlling all the commerce and the power and controlled the power in the religious circle to set the law. 
there's a saying, and I think it was around our colonial times that, that it came about. Maybe it was before that, I don't know. But uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But they had that, that control, and so they were zealous about their power and zealous about their authority. And the more rules they had that they obeyed, it divided them as the religious versus the people that weren't following all of the rules. So they made rules that they could follow, more, made it more difficult for others to follow. But see, these laws, it says there, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. When it's talking about law, it's not talking about necessarily the law that the religious leaders were imposing, but the law in general. But the law in general is, gives us that principle that the law and following the law doesn't bring about righteousness. Now how do we apply that in today's world? You've heard the concept that you can't legislate morality. Meaning, you set laws for people to do and to not do things, and it sets boundaries. And if things are, and if people are doing certain activity, then you incarcerate them so they don't continue to do that activity, especially the ones that are repeating it. There's something to be said for someone that, that takes something and you scold them and they get some punishment and then they stop doing it. But there's some that continue in lawlessness to the detriment of society that then, for the safety of society, need to be incarcerated. And so, in the midst of the decay in the United States, we see killings and we see awful things. People getting chopped up and all they did was deliver food. And we see all this, this turmoil and we see all these, these challenges and, and people not knowing what gender they are. Now we have people that want to uh, I think they call it trans, transableism or something like that. It's the people that basically want to identify as handicapped, so they want to go to doctors and ask them to either cut off a, a, a limb or, or uh, if, they want, if they identify as wanting to have been blind all their life, they try to damage their eyesight. They're trying to do things so, because that's how they identify They're confused, and there's all this confusion, and there's all this wonderings of what's going on. The answer is not the law. It's not in the rules. The answer is in Jesus. The answer is in Him. We put more rules. You can do this, you can't do that, but if you put the rules and apply them, see the religious leaders in the Old Testament excuse me, in the New Testament there, what we were talking about, they had these rules, and then if you did these rules, that made you superior to people that weren't following their rules. And we see that today. People that, if you do these certain things, or you don't do these other things, then that makes you more virtuous. Sometimes we call it virtue signaling today. Than the other person. It's like getting something on Facebook and says, well, if you really love Jesus, you will take this and forward it. 
They're imposing on you a rule that measures you as whether you are being uh, virtuous or moral. Whether you forward that Facebook comment or not is not a law from God. They start judging you and trying to impose on you. That's not where our salvation comes. It comes through the blood of Jesus. So we, they, we impose these laws. And so as we look for ways in what does our society need, what does the United States need, it's not more laws and more rules, it's more Jesus. It's more God. Laws can assist in them what's to be right and what's to be wrong, but we need more of God. God requires our obedience. And disobedience to God is an affront to our salvation. Like we said, faith without works is dead. But more laws, like a Jesus time, can just lead to separation of the masses of these are the elite class and the less elite class because some are able to do more of the laws that have been imposed and, and some not. The answer for the United States is not in laws, it's in we need more Jesus. And sometimes we as Christians, we look out and we see all the sin that's going on and say, well, they shouldn't be doing that and they shouldn't be doing this other thing, but what do they really need? More law? They need more Jesus. So as we leave here after this message, the one thing I want you to leave with is the fact that people need more Jesus. And we as a church need to be displaying more Jesus and living our lives more like Jesus. Because there are other religions in the United States other than Christendom. And even within Christendom, it's kind of gotten watered down, but we need more Jesus versus the other religions. There is, it seems to be, a religion around climate. You think about the things that are going on, that they will sacrifice people and everything in the form of climate and claim it on climate. Killing of babies, abortion of babies, changing things around in the name of climate. That's one of the religions. There's other religions around this, uh, this, uh, uh, these different causes. They elevate them to the level of religion. And we think about the scripture in Romans where it talks about that they worship the creation rather than the creator. So now it's saving the earth even at the cost at times of those that are in the earth. It's some crazy things going on. That we have too many moose that are giving off methane. They want to put diapers and masks on cows because they give off methane. It's become such a religion. We have people dying and people getting killed. But we're worried about the cows and the methane. We're in a turned upside down world. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. But our country needs more Jesus. More Jesus. And we've taken God out of the public sphere more and more. You might be surprised to know that the majority of the founders that were involved in the Constitution were Christians. 
And most of them were Protestant Christians. And they will highlight people that were in the minority. People like Thomas Jefferson, that was a deist. That believed that God was way out there. He even tried to write his own Bible that took all the miracles out. But they were in the unique. They were the less classical. But if you remove the morality of Scripture, and you just base it on man's morality, and you move the religious direction, or go with the religious direction instead of a spiritual direction, if you do those things, then you underline the capability for things to even happen in the kind of country that we have. If you do some reading and some research that, that checks and balances that they put in place kind of becomes undermined. If you're not following God, because you get to the point where one branch of government wants to ignore the other branch of government, and you see that. They're saying, just ignore it. We write these laws, but the one branch of government says, we're not going to enforce those laws. We're going to ignore you. In other case, a, 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 court might, a Supreme Court might make a particular ruling, and another branch of government saying, hey, let's ignore that. We need to do this anyway in the name of our religion. They don't call it a religion, but it's a name in their cause, in the name of their religion, because it's different than... The religion of the founders. We don't want to elevate the United States to be our government either. I'm, I'm sorry, our religion either. But we're on and paying the price for a decay of moving more and more away from God. It has been said at times that the way we were set up focused on God. If you take God out of it, it makes it very difficult for us to be able to function. So the hope of our civility in America is not on the backs of more laws or so-called virtue or morality in the sense that it has been hijacked as far as terminologies. Our hope for our civility, our return to civility, even in the United States, is the understanding of our need of Jesus Christ. But there is such a drive to remove him from every public sphere in the name of separation of church and state. And separate these things. They often go back to letters that Thomas Jefferson wrote to a Baptist, some Baptist then, talking about the separation of church and states and the argument of the, a wall of separation. You might be interesting to know that Thomas Jefferson wasn't even in the United States when they wrote and passed the Bill of Rights. He was in France. He might have had some influence, might have wrote some letters, but you can't just dial it in anymore. And Thomas Jefferson wasn't on a Zoom call from France. And when he sent a text from France, it didn't immediately arrive. So if he sent any letters, they would have had to come back and forth. He wasn't part of the debate. But somehow they've elevated his 
thoughts and his concerns as the preeminent concern in the way the Supreme Court looks at the separation of church and state and ignored all the other people, primarily Protestant Christians, that were part of that discussion. On balance, they should at least be part of that tug and pull versus finding the minority case that wasn't even there that was the deist. Because they're trying to go down a certain path. That didn't even happen until we got to the 20th century. These fundamentals. And so we've moved back away. And we've, uh, we allow these things to, to happen. And God's out of the square. God's out of our schools and more and more out of our families. Just think about it. As we've went through this moral decay, we've, we've moved we've moved family out of the center. We've moved you know, divorce is up, or divorce, what is it, 50% even if it's inside the church? And so we've elevated the state, we've elevated this govern, governing laws, and, and we've elevated technology, and we've elevated ourselves to the point that the family's eroded, and I mean, now you can, uh, uh, your, your own kids can, they can take them off and change their sex without telling you in some places. It's eroded. We've allowed, we've walked away from God. We, we, follow, we, we follow rules, but we seem to have lost our righteousness. We can't say morality anymore because that's been hijacked. We can't say virtue much anymore because I think that's been hijacked. We have to think about biblical holiness and biblical concepts and biblical precepts that aren't even being taught anymore. And even in our churches, we step away to the softer stuff. I mean, divorce. God hates divorce. Yes, it happens. But it's just more and more of it. We, our children, I mean, our children even are, are, are raised by somebody else in a lot of cases. You know, we have careers and there's cost and things that have to be paid for, but you know, there are sacrifices and there are ways to work around so that your children are being raised by you or your wife or you and your husband. I know people work second shifts and do all kinds of things to make it happen. So many single parent homes to the point that it becomes a celebrated thing. We moved God out of the public square. And now we move God out of the public square, we want to in, 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 impose more laws to control and more laws to, to fix it. And the laws aren't going to fix it. You can say certain people can't go certain places or you can't have certain kinds of weapons or you can't drive cars or you can't do different kinds of things. But what we really need is not more laws, we need Jesus. And in the church families, we need more Jesus. 
more biblical constructs around our families. I mean, we can't even get, get it right on what the difference between a man and a woman. Something that should be so ingrained and so easily understood in the way things were raised, but we've undermined those constructs. And I, I don't know that, I don't, I don't uh, want women to be mistreated, but neither do I want men to be mistreated. We've gotten to the point where we don't celebrate what a good man is anymore. We've got to reform a man into a woman. Women have gotten to the point, wives have gotten to the point, that we just cut our men down, cut our men down, cut our men down, and TV and stuff. The man is only the stupid one, the ignorant one that can't take care of himself, that has to have the woman take care of him. Guys, we need a lot of help. But we no longer celebrate the differences of a man and the value he brings to a marriage and the value he brings to being a parent and the special uniqueness of a woman and what she brings to a marriage and what she brings to being a parent. No, we got to muddle them all up. And we wonder why the young men are getting involved in all these shootings and things when they don't know who they are. And then even when we have laws out there to try to protect people from other people, we have people in the name of their own vanity and their, excuse me, their own virtue and their own morality have determined they're not going to enforce the laws that other people have. It's all up on its head. People need more Jesus. In the church, we need more Jesus. It's not about just getting together and having things. We need to be sharing the principles and reinforcing each other. I mean, it's hard to even get people in church once a week. You know, Jesus even took the disciples off for advanced training once in a while. Then he spoke to some people one-on-one. Then he spoke to the masses. You know, it's hard to talk, do advanced training and speak to the masses and do everything all in the, think about it, all in just a few minutes. Now we, here we have some facility challenges that we have to deal with, but, but just think about it across all the churches that you can barely get them together and then they hardly want to come in person because we're going to do it remote. Well, when you're remote, the pa- you don't see the pastor looking you in the eye and you're feeling convicted about something. And the pastor looking at you might not be him, it's the Holy Spirit, because he might not be, know what you're doing. So then even when you come to church, because you don't want to feel uncomfortable, and you want to worship freedom, they turn the lights out. And then we wonder, we've, we've destroyed the family, we've undermined the family, We've limited the church. We've limited Jesus in the uh, public square. We've limited Jesus in the governmental influence. We've limited Jesus in the schools. And we've undermined men standing up with the backbone saying, and that's enough. And then we wonder why we have problems, and we wonder why when we pass more and more laws... 
that they just doesn't happen. It's because we need more Jesus and church and churches. We've dropped the ball. We've catered and kowtowed and lost our way. We need to celebrate that God made us, man and woman. We need to celebrate marriage between a man and a woman. We need to celebrate children. We need to elevate motherhood. And when you have a child, the greatest career you have is parenthood. It's not your career. Children shouldn't be getting in the way of your career. Your career needs to get out of the way of your children. To the point that people, it's not convenient to have the child at that time. It'll mess up my career, so I need to have the right to go take my pill and kill them. Our country wasn't built outside of God. The majority included God. And we wonder what's going to happen to us next. Well, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. Because they're even now working on the president's group. They're already working on making it so we don't have money anymore. It's all digital. All digital. Just like in China. So they know what you spend it on. So regardless of what happens next, may I tell you, place your hope in Jesus, not in more laws, not on saying what people need to do and not to do. Yes, there are boundaries. There needs to be boundaries for the good of society, but people need to have more Jesus. So we need to be more about Jesus, let me know. More of His will to know. Trusting in Him. Getting your physical Bibles, not something written by an AI but trusting in Jesus. Living it out. Don't be ashamed to be a man. Don't be ashamed to be a woman. But I think some women need to check their, check their attitude. A little arrogant. Talk about a man having a bunch of pride. I'm, I, it's flipping the other way now. It's flipping the other way. So let's have more of Jesus. More of Jesus. What do we need to do? save? More rules? More politicians? No, we need more of Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would help us each to be on guard. That we're not putting our hope in a politician or a set of politicians or one party or the other or one cause or this cause or that cause. But may our hope be in you. May we found our lives on your word, on your scripture, that our hope is in Jesus, in your death and resurrection. And may we celebrate who you made us. Male and female created he them. In the image of God created he them. We are in your image, male and female together. So help us to celebrate both of those. To see the roles that you gave us and reestablish strong marriages, lifelong 
marriages. Reestablish strong families that we raise, not send them off to have somebody else raise. And that we might have strong churches preaching and teaching biblical truth. That we might be engaged in ministry. That we might be engaged in outreach. And that we wouldn't put our hope on all these other things that are in the byways, in the air, in the social media. That our righteousness won't be based on how many clicks we got, nor on how many things we forwarded, because somebody else told us to. But our righteousness might be on a heart completely sold out to you, on fire for you, surrendered to you, obedient to you. Help us in this time of turmoil to be a light upon a hill. Help us not to just be barking along with the noise like a bunch of coyotes just howling back and forth at each other. But let us be a purposeful people, purposefully following you, getting our direction and guidance from you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.